This is CES Tech Talk. I'm James Kotecki. The most influential tech event in the world is back in Las Vegas, January 5th through 8th, and we are here to preview CES 2022. Today, the future of the final frontier, specifically enabling humanity to begin new civilizations beyond Earth. It's not the opening line of a new sci-fi series. It's the tagline of a real company, Sierra Space. The company recently announced a partnership with Blue Origin to build a private space station called Orbital Reef. Let's find out more with Sierra Space VP and GM Space Destinations, Neeraj Gupta. Neeraj, I have so many questions, but first, help us visualize and understand how this looks. When we talk about Orbital Reef, should we be thinking about the International Space Station for comparison? Yeah, great question. And, and uh, you know, what we're looking at, at building is is it builds off that foundation. But, you know, think of it completely reimagined. Uh, the 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 way we're, we're developing this is really around uh, the end user experience. Right. Getting people access to space and, and, and any type of person can get to space. So, you know, the way ISS uh, is developed now, it's really kind of a laboratory in space. Um, and if you've seen pictures on the interior of it, uh, you can see it's really built like a lab. It's it's got a lot of you know wires and connections and uh, you know equipment in in the in the middle of the of the uh, the hallways. Uh, this is going to be a completely different experience. This is a place you want to go to. Think of like a five star resort uh, anywhere around the world. Uh, that type you know those types of uh, amenities and and significantly more capability to help really bring in the future of of what we can do in space. So I'm thinking for interior design, it's more Star Trek, the next generation, less Battlestar Galactica. You got it. You got it. That's right. (laughs) But what does it look like from the outside? Is it still the same basic construction of you got pods and you got giant solar panels or does it look different? Yeah, no, that's different as well. So we start with a, a, a system called our life module. Um, and it's a large uh, inflatable system. Uh, think of it as basically a three-story building uh, that we can we can put inside of a uh, five-meter fairing uh, in, and launch it into space, and then it expands out to uh, basically a three-story building, 27 feet diameter by 27 feet long. So the the pods the or the modules you see on the International Space Station are much much smaller than that, basically a fifth of the size. So you can kind of get 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 a bit of a comparison, uh, and so the the way we develop this is multiple of those uh, life modules up there, um, as well as using our our space plane. We have a a, a system called our Dream Chaser space plane, uh, which helps uh, ferry cargo and crew back and forth uh, from from the orbital reef. Uh, there are a couple other modules uh, uh, that that are there as well, but again, think of larger sized modules, places you can you can get multiple people uh, in in and out of. So, why are you building this? Yeah, good question. Well, the the reason we're building it is is really because we see a really vibrant Leo space economy developing. We're right on the precipice of where we see a lot of uh, interest in space. You can see it all over the place with uh, a lot of investment in in the sector now. Uh, and and really, you, what you we almost see- said in the space, didn't you? <laughs> 
but <laughs> in the space that's right yeah exactly you gotta it's gotta hard to, you gotta catch things. yourself yeah <laughs> exactly um no so you know we we uh we really do see a vibrant economy there uh developing space has really been dominated by governments uh over the last you know 20 30 40 years uh and and really what we're seeing is we're right on the edge of turning this over to a commercial uh usage and you see all these different types of technologies from fiber optics to in-space manufacturing to the things we can, you know, use on the ground, having people go to space. You see all this the tourism excitement, uh, people now traveling in. There's the inspiration uh, for um, a mission that just just happened and, and where we had the first, you know, non-astronauts flying around the world. Uh, so this is is really a big area that, that's starting to develop. And, and that's really the reason why, because we see this as, as really the natural extension of the, of the global economy. So the space station... Orbital Reef, it sounds like, is for anyone who wants to go to space for any number of reasons. You could have tourists, you could have governments, you could have private companies that want to conduct experiments in a weightless environment. Is it is it really that broad of an audience that you're targeting? It really is. You said that perfectly. It's really for anybody. And, and we're trying to make space accessible for, for all. Uh, not just for governments, not just for for the for the ultra rich, but for anybody. You know, our goal is to have thousands of, and and millions of people living and working in space, uh, and and uh, be able to to really experience uh, experience that. Uh, and like you said, you know, there's there it's really open to whatever you want to do in space. Uh, from from uh, if somebody has a killer app of of uh, developing a new technology that can only be done in microgravity, we want to be able to enable uh, enable that development uh, as well as like you said, the tourism continue uh, research. We think there's a lot of a lot of uh, secrets that can be unlocked. Uh, in space, you know, there's a lot of uh, research around uh, pharmaceuticals and 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 uh, uh, the, the life sciences and uh, you know uh, cancer medicine medications, things like that, right? Uh, and and really, space offers a lot of ability to to unlock some of those things we haven't been able to. You know, you mentioned that now space is no longer the province of just governments, but it does bring up an interesting question about government regulation and law when it comes to something in space. So if you've got people from multiple countries who are living and working in a space station, are there existing laws or, or legal frameworks that actually govern how that kind of society operates? Yeah, they, they're in work. So they, they don't necessarily exist, but we're, we're working working through exactly what those regulations uh, look like. And, and frankly, every country has some, some different regulations around them. We're working with countries around the world to, to develop what that looks like. So um, tell me a little bit more about how you're building this on the ground and how it's going to actually launch. So it's a bunch of inflatable modules. Are these, is there a set limit to the size that this thing can be? Or can you kind of keep adding modules indefinitely as this kind of spacefaring community grows? Yeah, so it's a combination of, of these in, inflatable modules as well as some hard shell modules. Uh, and the way we develop it is so that it is modular and you can you can really extend it as much as you want. Uh, so we've got a what we call a core module where we can attach multiple additional modules to it. And really, there's no there's no uh, physical constraint mm -hmm. uh, to be able to to add more and more of those modules together. So you can think of it as as really uh, limitless possibilities of extending how big you can make it in one location or potentially multiple locations. Wow. Um, what other assumptions 
have you had to rethink, or maybe put a different way, have you been able to rethink because you're no longer tethered to this is a government entity doing a kind of public sector facing job? Yeah, you know, it, it opens up a, a, a lot of different things you couldn't previously do, you know, because of, uh, of the government nature of things like ISS. Uh, going to a commercial system really allows us to think about how do we how do we, you know, make a real tourist experience uh, around uh around the system, right? What do people want to do when they get there? You know, when when you have a government-run facility, well, it's done as we're, we're going to go do science, we're going to go do research, we have a, a specific mission in mind. When you go to the beach, you don't necessarily have a specific mission in mind, except for enjoying what's there. So we started thinking about, well, how do you make it a, a, a place where, where tourism can, can really flourish? Um, you can also start thinking about things around IP and being able to protect IP. So like you said, developing different different products in space, uh, that's something that you can't do now because of the way uh, the uh, the International Space Station is set up. Uh, you, you know, uh, independent com- companies, um, it's it's much more difficult to to be able to to, to retain your IP. Uh, the other part is how you manufacture in space. Uh, different things you you manufacture can sometimes have different types of uh, uh, byproducts and and things like that 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 you know maybe need gassing, you know, outgassing or or venting of the system. Uh, well, we can do that. We can now do that with a free-flying space station, especially the way we've made this modular. Uh, we can really enable some of those those systems. And you can think about industries that are high-polluting industries on the on the ground. Now we can move some of those things to space, get them off of get them off the ground, still wow. get the benefit of them, uh, but not do the damage to our environment. So, in some cases, it would actually be less polluting to send up the space plane and go to the space station and produce those kinds of things in space than it even would be to to not launch that, but to do it on the ground. That's right. Exactly. Before we go any further here, I have to ask a question that I'm sure most people listening to this are thinking, when will this be ready? Give me some timelines uh, of some notions of, of tangibly when we can actually expect to see this come to fruition. Yeah, it seems like it'd be a long way away, but really it's not. It's uh, we're, we're looking at before the end of the decade. Uh, so late 2020s is, is when we're, uh, when we're planning to have it up and operational. In the classic tradition of uh, space faring sound bites, right? Before this decade is out. That's right. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, uh, will there be any kind of, uh, health restrictions or age restrictions? I mean, my, my seven-year-old, I guess he'll be a little bit older by the end of the decade, but I'm sure he'd love to go to space. Will we see, I mean, speaking of Star Trek, will we see kind of families going in space together? I mean, if I'm a tourist, I want to go with my family, I suppose. Yeah, absolutely. Um, no, you know, we're looking at, at, at uh, allowing space for anybody um, from the young to 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 anybody who, who may be a little bit older. Um, a, you know, these these uh, missions can be or these these, you know, tourist excursions can be uh, on the week of days to the to, to weeks. Uh, and come back, and so really, there's not a lot of restrictions on on who can who can go. Um, we're doing a lot to develop uh, what type of training that person might need on the ground, and we right. will we'll actually provide that training as well. Um, but really, there's not any restrictions around that. So, tell me about some of the hypothetical experiences that a tourist in space might be able to have. Yeah, you, you know, you can think of a lot of experiences, and and one of the things that we're we're developing is uh, a thing called our Astro Garden. 
uh, technology, which is really growing plants in space. So think about a restaurant in in space. You'll be able wow. to eat eat you know food that you grew in in uh, in space and and have a view of uh, of the Earth while you're doing it. Um, which is, I, I, I think, a pretty <laughs> spectacular thing when I think about it. Uh, y- you know, also experiences, we're looking at, you know, you want to experience space for space. So you get the microgravity and floating around and, and doing things things like that as well. Um, but also maybe, maybe even get going outside of the space station. Uh, you know, what they call extra ve- vehicular activities, EVA is basically, you know, getting in a space suit and getting outside and doing a, doing a spacewalk. Um, we're working with with companies that are uh, looking at different types of ways to do that, not necessarily with with big spacesuits, but but can be in a shirt sleeve environment. So there's a lot of different different pieces you can do around that. So what you're describing sounds amazing, super exciting. I believe you, but I I almost want to figure out like more ways to actually prove out that this is really going to happen by the end of the decade. So let's talk economics. Like let's sure. talk what this will actually cost, and honestly, frankly, like how you make money. Because I think if we can understand how the economics might make sense, it might give everybody kind of more confidence to understand that this is actually really happening. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so you know the the economics around it. How much it costs? It, it costs significantly less than what the ISS built. You know, the ISS was was uh, you know over a hundred billion dollars to go go build it. We're less than a magnet, one order of magnitude less than that um, to go to go put this in orbit. So you can you know we take in really advantages of all the all the things we we use every day and, and frankly probably take for granted every day. But they're really uh, enabling for what we can do in space. A lot of the automation that you see every single day, your home automation, uh, all the edge computing, all the things that 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 uh, is available to us on, on the ground, um, we can now use in space, really helps us on the operations side of this and really bringing down the costs. Um, it, when, when you uh, talk about the, you know, kind of the revenue streams and 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 how does that kind of work overall? Well, we actually see, you know, if you look at at, at what people are paying to go uh, put their names on list to go do a few minutes in space from a tourism perspective, and uh, you know what what it would be to to put you know uh, circle the earth a, a handful of t- uh, of uh, of times. Um, comparatively, we're offering things like a three day stay or two week stay. Uh, in a in a five star hotel, uh, so so we've done the you know we've run their numbers on on what those are. We've got um, uh, folks that are interested uh, in in uh, being a being tourists on on a uh, on the on a space station. Um, also, you know, there's there's a lot of things you can can look at from uh, what we call space to ground products and space to space products. Right. Um, space to ground products are things that you build in space and we can use here on the ground. Uh, and like I said, these are things that, you know, you can move uh, things that are maybe our high polluting uh, industries and and bring them back to the ground. So those are there's a lot of industries that 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 really are around that. Um, and, and you can think of things like drug manufacturing uh, is a big one where you can you can create drugs in space that you can't create on the ground because of the form of microgravity. Um, cancer, uh, cancer research is, is a big part of that. You know, one thing we know is you can't grow a tumor, um, on the ground in 3d. You can only grow it in 2d, whereas in space, you can actually grow it in 3d and, and really unlock what, you know, how really you might attack that or cure that, um, type of disease. So there's a lot of real benefits to what we can do here on the ground. And then there's the space to space segment, which is, 
you know, instead of building everything on the ground and la- launching it and putting it in space, well, well, how about building it in space? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we don't we don't build a building in you know overseas and then put it on a barge and ship it to its final destination and install it, right? We you, you take the raw materials and you build it in place. Uh, so so we're looking at at those types of uh, industries as well. So you're talking about a space station and a transportation method for getting there that seems to be more modern, more advanced, lower cost than the traditional government alternatives. What role do you see for the private sector versus the public sector in space going forward? I mean, if what you're talking about is true, then we should see an incredible boom of private sector activity in space, vastly eclipsing, to use a space term, anything that the government does or, or has done. Do you, what's the continuing role for government, if any, going forward, do you think? Yeah, I think the uh, you know government will still have a very strong role in space uh, and, and uh, really exploring further and further out, right? So there... Uh-huh. There, you know, you start in in what we call low Earth orbit, which is where the the ISS is now, um, and start going further out to the Moon, to Mars, to asteroids. Start exploring those the, those destinations in in space compared to uh, what we've now been in for you know over thirty years. So there's still definitely there's still definitely a role for uh, for governments uh, in 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 this whole architecture, and then also you know what we enable be. Uh, is those those uh, further out destinations like Mars, for instance, um, that's about a, uh, somewhere between an 800 and 1100 day mission to get there. Well, the first time you go do that, you're not going to go do it on your way to Mars, right? You're going to go practice that and develop it in low Earth orbit. So you're, you're near home and you can come back and we can do that at our at our commercial um, orbital reef as well. So we can really enable governments to go further and and really you know stretch the boundaries and 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 areas we want to explore. Do you see a future where the average CES attendee is going to be able to tool out to the desert, hop on one of your vehicles and take a quick trip to space as an exhibit? Oh, I I I'd love it. In fact, I'd love to do a CES in space. What do you think about that? I'm into it. I'll be there <laughs> with you. What are you actually planning for CES 2022? Yeah, so we're we're planning, you know, this is our our first time uh, of being at CES. So it's, uh, you know, it's really exciting for us. And CES is really, you know, a, a platform where we see uh, all of this coming together. Like I said, a lot of the enabling technologies to allow us to do it. So we're really ex- planning a, a lot of uh, fun things. We're going to display our full-scale uh, uh, Dream Chaser model um, out at, at uh, CES, we we encourage everybody to come to see that. Um, that's like I said, our space plane that lands on a runway. Uh, this is you know one of those technologies that is very different than what we've done in the past, where where people splash in oceans. Now we can take you right down where any anywhere a seven thirty seven lands, uh, and take you right back to an airport. So uh, we're going to have that on display. Uh, we're also going to have a display of our um, life module there as well so there'll be a smaller hmm. version it's not the full three three story uh version at least not this time um but but hopefully soon and then also some uh, vr showing the full experience of what the orbital reef is and and you can you know fly through it float through it you can see kind of all the different modules and 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 what's in there so ces is all about the private sector so don't take this question the wrong way but science fiction sometimes paints a picture of a overly commercialized space that's almost kind of crass, right? And there's like McDonald's floating around the moon or whatever it might be. So do you feel any kind of responsibility 
to your users, to your customers, to your tourists, to kind of preserve that sense of awe in what you're building? Yeah, you know, we we are really going to kind of preserve that that sense. You know, there's the there's the one side of making sure that we can enable commercial businesses to come up and 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 really you know further the use of space, um, which we're we you know we're we're very much committed to. But at the same time, you know, we want to make sure that you get the experience of space. Right. It's it's it, it shouldn't look like a a, um, a, a, you know, modern city anywhere in the in the right. in the U.S. You should be, you know, in space and looking down at the earth and looking at, at the stars and uh, and being able to 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 really immerse yourself in those those things. So, yeah, we, we definitely are cognizant of that and making sure that we can um, we can really maintain that. But this kind of luxury, uh, widely available space experience really has been the stuff of science fiction up until now. Are there other lessons, inspirations, or warnings that you take from science fiction as you're building this out in real life? Oh, that's a that's a good question. Well, I but probably not put enough automation where the space station can take over and uh, and lock you <laughs> out, right? That's that's uh, that's, that's rule number one. Basically. Maybe that's yeah. rule number yeah, exactly. Uh, is is let's not let's not do that. Um, no, you know, it, it, I, honestly, it's from the from what has actually happened in space on 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 the ISS on what we've seen in exploration on getting you know people to the moon. That's really where we've drawn. Um, uh, quite a bit from, you know, and, and uh, uh, it's, you know, we're taking the, the best of the best things we do here on the ground um, from experience, from safety, from all of those types of uh, aspects and, and really taking that space. So that's really what we're, what we're drawing from. So the end of the decade is when you foresee this kind of being operational, fully operational. What are the milestone markers along the way to achieve that as far as, you know, both the space plane and the space station? What should we be looking for in the next few years? Yeah. So look for our space plane to be uh, flying uh, toward the end of next year. Uh, so that's the that's the first piece. You know, we have uh, seven missions going to the ISS to, to take cargo. Um, using our, our dream chaser and then coming back and ran, landing on a runway. So uh, we're going to start that service uh, at, at the end of uh, next year. So you'll see that uh, as one of the first pieces. Um, and we're looking for uh, doing some some uh, uh, demonstration testing and and uh, uh, ground full scale prototyping the, the, those types of things uh, with our life systems. Uh, over the next couple of years as well, so so uh, you'll see a lot of that happening, and and uh, I we plan on putting that out to to have people be able to actually come and experience them. Hopefully, we can bring it to a to a CES or or have people come and 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 be able to see that in person. And the space plane, I believe, is going to be autonomous, right? Will there be pilots for that? Uh, no, you're right. It's autonomous. Uh, there, there are not going to be pilots in, in there, so it's a fully autonomous system. Uh, so once it gets to the uh, International Space Station, it, it births to, to that system, which means it basically uses the robotic arm um, yeah. and then attaches to the system. And then on its way home, it's all autonomous. We use um, propulsion systems and, and onboard navigation to, uh, to bring it right back down to the runway. But what you're doing is uh, so cool. <laughs> And I am just like so excited to try and take a trip in this in the future. Um, are there other people in this sector 
this space who are making a go of it as well. Like I imagine that you may not be the only company doing this, so I don't need you to give, uh, you know, name your competitors necessarily, but how do you see yourselves as different than other people who are presumably also racing to build the future of space? Yeah, it's a good question. There, there are, uh, there are definitely other people that are, that are interested in this. I'll tell you what's very unique about us is uh, uh, there are a few things. One is, um, you know, we're partnered with uh, Blue Origin, uh, and and uh, we we have a shared vision of uh, what we see as being space, and and our vision is is to have you know thousands or millions of people living and working in space in, in in the near future, and and really that's kind of our guiding principle. So you know when you take that and couple it with the technologies that we own, uh, and frankly we're one of the only companies that owns the technologies to to really enable it. So our life. Uh, module uh, systems. We've been developing that with NASA. Uh, we actually originally developed it for deep space missions, for going to to Moon, going going to to uh, to Mars, um, and and we've been dev- developing that for over five years now with uh, with NASA. Um, and that's you know pretty unique. Other other companies are are trying to purchase those capabilities where we actually own and and develop those. Um, same thing with our space plane. Uh, it's, you know, the, in, in, uh, you know, my opinion, it's, it's definitely the preferred way I would want to go, uh, to and to and back from space. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I would much rather run on, land on a runway than, than, uh, land in the ocean or, or anything. And do you take like off that. on a runway too with that? Or is it kind of the same vertical orientation that we're no, expecting still, from a space shuttle? Yeah, it's, it's the, the latter. You, you, okay. you, st- you still are kind of like a space shuttle. We, st- we, uh, um, go on top of a, of a heavy lift launch vehicle. Um, and then and then come back to a runway. I want to come back to the tagline of the company, the mission of the company, I suppose, which is on your website, I'm going to quote it, enabling humanity to begin new civilizations beyond Earth. That's reflected in what you've been saying today in terms of people, you know, not just working in space, but living there. Is what you're talking about with uh, this technology going to get us to the place where people are actually living in space? I mean, are you talking about babies being born in space, families living their entire lives in space? Is that really the long-term vision? Yeah. You know, we, we see that as, as being a, a, you know, very viable option. Um, you know, our, our vision is to make sure people are there and enable the ability to get there and get back to, to the ground. Uh, but yeah, absolutely. You know, seeing people uh, living in, in space, you know, baby, like you said, babies being, you know, potentially born in space uh, and, and uh, you know, continuing to develop that. Um, is absolutely something that that we're we're interested in. I won't say it's you know the the founding principle of of, of what we're doing, but it would be a you know great day to see uh, you know that that much interest and in, in civilization moving that way. And I imagine going to other planets as well is potentially on your roadmap. Absolutely, absolutely. And you know we developed our our life technology, like I said, for deep space applications uh, originally, so that you you know you could be uh, around uh, around the moon or going to to Mars. Also, have developed it to uh, be used on the lunar surface. So when you st- talk about civilizations and and building building those out, we see the moon is is absolutely an area that that you know is uh, is ripe for that as well. So if we've got the space plane and the space station by the end of this decade, are we going to be permanently based on the moon by the end of the 2030s? Uh, you know, I think the end of the 2030s is, is possible. Uh, you know, when you're looking at what what uh, NASA is doing with the human landing systems and, and getting people there, uh, you know, back to the moon and, and toward the end of this decade as well. 
uh, and looking at, at doing sustainable uh, landings, meaning multiple uh, um, uh, you know, drop down to the lunar surface and back and forth. I, I absolutely think it's possible. Has working at this company made you want to live in space more or less than when you started? <laughs> um, that's a, uh, I, I would, I would have to say more, definitely. You know, it, I, when, when I started here, you know, these, these things, like you said, felt very far out there. Um, they were, you know, they were, they were things that you, you kind of thought of and, and we've, we've, you know, we have a lot of astronauts, uh, uh, in, in our company that, that have experienced those things. And you think about it from that perspective, but no, seeing what we're building and, and seeing it, you know, we're, we're right, right there, you know, toward yeah. the end of this decade, uh, it, it definitely makes me want to do it. And speaking of that perspective, I mean, if you could get thousands or millions of people getting that quintessential earth from space view astronauts come back and say that it changes them, you know, on a deep and sometimes very spiritual level to understand the Earth from that perspective. So what you're doing could have a much harder to measure, but also a very real impact on that, too. Yeah, absolutely. In fact, I'll tell you, one of our, our astronauts, uh, Janet Cavandi, um, she mentions that all the time, that it's very transformational. It was for her when she went to space. And, and you know, that's that's one of the things that drives her. And, and, and she always, you know, relays back to us every day is, you know, making sure that people really feel that because it's something you can't explain. It's just something you have to experience. Well, I, for one, and I'm sure many of our listeners cannot wait to experience it for ourselves. Thank you so much for joining us today, Niraj. Great. Thanks, James. Appreciate it. And we will see you at CES 2022. And we hope to see you there as well. Thanks so much for listening to this show. Remember, there's always more tech to talk about. So subscribe to this podcast so you don't miss a moment and get more CES at ces.tech. That's ces.tech. Our show is produced by Tina Anthony and Kirsten Heizak, recorded by Andrew Lynn and edited by Third Spoon. Special thanks to CTA's John Lindsay for the studio help. I'm James Kotecki, Talking Tech on CES Tech Talk.